Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. As an increasing number of governors across the United States issue what we're going to call safe at home or stay at home orders, um, and as more and more businesses shutter their doors, um, people are wondering how long, right? A lot of lot of how long questions. Just encourage you um, to check out that language from the Bible um, and don't provoke that question, right? Let's let's be people who do not provoke the how long question, because just for the record, people who have died in the faith as martyrs, they have, um, which you know goes all the way back to Stephen, right? If you have read the book of Acts, you know Stephen, um, and you know he's the first person that we um, know of who is martyred for his faith in Christ and his public witness uh, of who Christ is. So since, since the martyrdom of Stephen, right? And every person martyred for the faith since then, it says in the book of Revelation, they cry out beneath the throne of God, how long, how long, how long, how long? And so I I just, I mean, even though we are praying, come Lord Jesus, we are thankful that God has given us this window of opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with those who do not yet believe, right? And so as the as those who've been martyred for the faith are crying out, how long, how long, how long? Because they are crying out. For, for God's justice, for his wrath to be poured out upon the earth in a, in a way of, of redemptive justice. And so um, let you and I cry out how long, how long, like be patient, God, be patient just a little longer. Give us a little more time to share the good news of the gospel with those who do not yet believe. Um, so as the whole, as the how long question rises up within you and in conversation with others, um, you know, at least inside your heart, be acknowledging that the how long question has been asked by the martyrs beneath the throne of God for a long, long time. Um, there are uh, Christians who are obviously asking the same questions that uh, everyone else is asking right now. And yet we have uh, answers that are available to us that the world just does not know. And, and that's what I want us to be mindful of today. Christians ask the same questions but we have available to us answers that the world does not know. We have a confident hope. We have a peace that passes the world's understanding. Um, we're never truly alone because the Holy Spirit of the living God is our constant companion, comforter, counselor, confidant, joy. We're not left wondering what the future holds. We actually know and trust the one who holds the very future in his hands. Our God is mighty to save. And even if we die, yet shall we live. So whatever resources you have right now is not all there will ever be, all right? We don't live in a scarcity mentality. We live in an acknowledgement of God's abundant care. We live with access to a well of living water that never runs dry, access to the very word of God upon which we are invited to feast, and our Savior is the very bread of heaven, and he is mighty to save. All right, um, today, as we are... um, 
tempted to fret about our own needs. I would really love for us to bring into view the needs of the most vulnerable among us. So joining me next is President of World Relief, Scott Arbeiter. Um, He's going to help us see the people and the needs which fill his frame of vision every day, but who are our invisible neighbors who we often do not see. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. President of World Relief, Scott Arbeiter. Scott, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Glad to be with you. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, World Relief is the relief and humanitarian arm of the National Association of of Evangelicals. And so um, it's something that I refer to fairly frequently because of my own experience you know, on the board of the NAE. And so I just, it's just a privilege to have you with us today. Will you bring into our frame of vision, into focus for us, those people who are in your field of vision every single day? Well, uh, Carmen, thank you for the question. And it's, it's really a privilege we have to be on the front lines in lots of places around the U.S. and around the world and extend the compassion of people like your listeners who want to see and want to act, but don't necessarily have um, the access. And so we're talking about people who are living in the kinds of vulnerabilities that most of us um, will never experience. Um, They might be uh, without food. They might be without water. uh, They might be living in terribly dangerous places because of war or tribal conflict or sexual and gender-based violence. They might be very vulnerable refugees who the State Department has um, brought into the country and asked World Relief to help them settle, but they don't know the language. They have no access to the services. They are, in so many ways, lost and wandering and looking for faithful guides who can say, we welcome you, we bring you an embrace, we want to serve you well. And we get to do that through the people, the church, 95,000 volunteers around the world doing that in the name of Jesus. So I think when when we think of refugees, Scott, we think of people um, in some other part of the world. We don't think of the people who, even though the numbers have dropped dramatically, um, we don't think of the people who are already here in the United States of America who have been resettled here as refugees um, if you would, um, I heard you recently talk about the, um, the I want to call it a mobile unit. It's really like an RV, right? Yeah. It's like parked down yeah. the street outside the gate of. So you have to describe what that gate, is, what's behind that gate, and then who are the people who come through that gate, and what are the kinds of resources they need? And Because this is just a, this is a really tangible example of what can be done in communities across the country. Yeah, I want you to imagine that um, you're in what is a large industrial park outside of a major city in the U.S. And inside of that park is this massive structure. It's called a detention center. And in there are people who are um, broadly uh, immigrants who came over the border looking for work, looking for a new future for the children. Many of them now are also asylum seekers who legally came to present themselves and to present their case for admittance into the U.S. 
but they are now being detained in this massive center. And so their rights of due process and their freedom of movement have all been taken from them. And their detention center awaiting adjudication on their asylum case. Um, but they are being treated as though they were criminals. They are there for three months, six months. We encountered one person who'd been in for seven years. And they don't know what their future looks like. They don't have, in most cases, access to legal counsel. They don't know how the system works. They don't understand the language as uh, their heart language. But on occasion, when in fact they are granted asylum, the, the doors to the detention center open and then the metal barbed wire fence, the gate opens up and they are deposited on the street with the clothes they came in on. They look left, they look right, they see nothing that's familiar, they have no idea where to go. They Many of them don't know the language, they're just out on the street. And World Relief, along with uh, some wonderful partners, we've parked a motorhome on that street and we're watching that gate um, all the time. And when it opens, we've got volunteers who go and they, they give an embrace to that person. Welcome. We're so glad you received your asylum. Would you allow us to help you? And we have translators from a variety of languages. We'll bring them in to the motorhome if they're willing, and, and they always are because they know they're in need. We provide a cell phone so they can call family members, backpacks full of clothes and food, access to medical care if there's an acute need. And for some who might be really traumatized and just can't act, uh, there's a halfway house that they can go to for a bit. And faithful people from the churches are just going to walk alongside them. It's the it's the embrace of Jesus to people who have known mostly know all their lives, and we get to offer a big yes. So I wanted you to tell that story, Scott, because um, first of all, it it reminds us not only how fragile life is, but how alone an individual can feel um, when isolated and without access to the resources that they are with which they are familiar. Because right now we're describing the reality of a lot of our neighbors who suddenly here in the United States of America find themselves without access to the resources that they are very familiar with and used to. We are used to sending our kids to school. There's a huge percentage of Americans who are used to sending their kids to school, and that's where their kids get fed breakfast and lunch. There's a there's a very large percentage of the U.S. population who are used to the elderly um, receiving the kind of help from the community that is, frankly, now no longer happening in the midst of the coronavirus. So when we come back from the break, I want you to sort of translate what you just described in terms of a willingness, a readiness, a desire um, to serve our neighbors, the least of these, our brothers and sisters. Help us translate that into this sort of new coronavirus reality where each of us, where each of us actually is sort of the motorhome parked on, you know, parked just down the street from people who suddenly don't know how to navigate the world that they're living in. So I'm going to continue this conversation with Scott Arbeiter in just a moment. We'll be right back. right now, particularly if you're listening in the uh, wide Milwaukee region, um, you remember Scott Arbeiter as a pastor from the Elmbrook Church, 
Others of you um, will recognize Scott as the president of World Relief, which is the relief and humanitarian arm of the National Association of Evangelicals. Um, Scott, again, thank you so much for being with us here today. Talk talk about um, this new reality that we're living in here in the United States of America. Uh, I'll just admit to you that you know, before maybe a month ago, when we talk about internally displaced people, we were talking about the rest of the world. We now face the reality, um, you know, going forward that we may have a, a a fair number, right, a very large percentage of, of Americans who find themselves sort of internally displaced because after the loss of a job, they lose they lose their um, their home and access to familiar resources. Just talk about this as an opportunity for the church. Uh, thanks, Carmen. I, you know, our conviction at World Relief is that a church that's in search of the vulnerable and the isolated really is an irresistible force for good, and it's a worthy witness of the grace of God. So that's where we start. But then I think the question is, how do we get there? How do we live that out? And I, and I think one of the first things we have to do is we have to pause, and we have to recognize our own individual fears and concerns for our families, for our own health, for our finances, for our jobs. It's very human. We are now vulnerable. And there's a humbling effect of that. And I think it's important that we each pause and we cry out to God. We name that. And we allow ourselves to visit the place of fear. But we declare as God's people, we won't live in that place but then I think what we also have to do is pause long enough to ask God, God, what is it you might be up to? Are there idols in my life that you wanted to knock down and get face down in the dust so that I would turn unreservedly to you? And I think if we pause long enough to, to do that and say, search me, oh God, then out of that, we're going to find conviction and hope. We're going to find courage. And then when everything inside of us is screaming to look inward, the Holy Spirit is going to cause us to look outward. That's what the people of God do. And so right now in a place where we're being told, many of us, to shelter at home, the question is, how in the world do you look outward? And I think there's some really practical ways to do that. Um, if you'd like me to name a few, or I can pause Absolutely. here. Well, here's, here's some of the beautiful things we're seeing. First of all, people are feeling isolated. And when people are isolated, particularly those who are already vulnerable, uh, the ill, the depressed, the elderly, those who might be single mothers with children who are sick or she's sick and can't handle it on her own. You think about the vulnerabilities that are out there. The first thing we need to do is we need to reach out. We've got to make the telephone calls. We've got to check in with each other. And if possible, um, do video chats because the connection of seeing is so powerful. So the first thing is to make it human and let them know that they matter they matter to God, they matter to you. But then it's also to find out what their needs might be. And for those who are at less risk, to be able to reach out to those who are at more risk, a younger neighbor reaching out to an older neighbor saying, would you like me to go do your shopping for you? I'll be your shopping angel. What do you need? Get out and do that. Or other things we're hearing, people calling the nursing homes and saying, who doesn't have anyone to talk to? Could I get, would you be willing to let me call them and talk with them. Another group is uh, talking about um, going uh, out to the nursing home and keeping their six foot social distance, but surrounding the nursing home with people who are praying and letting those inside the home know you're not alone, you're being prayed for. Um, looking for ways to fill the local food banks, 
is another way. Many people are looking for ways to make masks in their own homes so they can take them to the local hospitals, check with your local hospital and see if they're receiving masks. Um, people can make them. There are YouTubes out there. Then they can bring them to the hospital who disinfect and get them ready. There are so many ways for us to be serving our neighbors in the name of Jesus in this time. So I, uh, uh, I have a couple of reports to share with you that I think you will appreciate. Um, I'm familiar with one very small congregation in Northeast Georgia that uh, because, their, because their facility sits kind of where it sits and that it happens to have this you know, great highway uh, visibility, they, um, they, they got the local grocery store to agree to park tractor trailers literally in their parking lot. And then they are paying for the groceries that people can come and just get bags of groceries of, of essential items uh, in a drive-through way um, in their parking lot. I think that's a pretty extraordinary um, outreach. They're using the funds that they were planning to use on an overseas mission trip, which they are now not taking. So, you know, the, the money had already been collected um, and they're using it in that way. And then in another case, um, some um, some Christians who own a restaurant, and they obviously knew that they were going to need to close down. They don't have the really ability to do sort of takeout. So they knew that they were going to have all of this stuff in their freezer and their um, and their walk-in refrigerator that was going to spoil. So they just cooked it all. They just cooked it all mm-hmm. and then did a distribution at the church. Um, of that food. And so I just, I do think people can think creatively about what they have on hand that is, you know, that that could be shared with neighbors and friends. I know that schools are trying to figure out how to be sure that kids still have access to those breakfasts and lunches. Um, but let's, if we can, in our own communities, help those things to happen so that the most vulnerable um, around us uh, can have what they need during this time as well. And it is a, it is a beautiful public testimony and witness for the people of the church to not be people who are filled with fear, but who are still willing to reach out in compassionate love and empathy to others. Um, Scott, as you have so rightly acknowledged, we all now recognize just how vulnerable we are. Mm -hmm. Those are beautiful stories, Carmen, and I think there's no end to the creativity when we surrender to the Spirit of God and we hold our hands out and say, God, what would you have of me? And each of us is going to get a different assignment. But when we take that posture, God will speak and God will empower. And it's amazing how we'll be uh, enriched in the process. We we are never more like Jesus or never more connected to Jesus than we are doing what he did, which was he who was rich became poor so that we in turn might become rich. And he invites us into that. Amen. Um, Scott, we want to invite people to uh, to visit you and World Relief at worldrelief.org. Worldrelief.org. Um, I'm wondering, in the um, you know in the in the coming weeks and months, will you come back and help us understand what is happening um, among refugee populations? I I really have a hard time even imagining how people who are living in refugee camps around the world, um, or as in other sort of displaced communities how they are coping in the midst of all of this and what kinds of resources are being brought to bear in those um, most fragile of places. So will you come back and we can talk about that in the coming weeks? Carmen, I will. I'll leave you with one thought that might help us prepare for that. We are all being told to wash our hands regularly, and we should be. Let's remember that there are so many, literally millions, who cannot even wash their children for a week or two or three on end. 
it it really is um it's humbling and it's eye opening and uh and in the midst of this i just i feel very confident god is breeding a new level of empathy among us so scott thank you so much for joining us today you guys can uh can visit scott and world relief online at worldrelief.org we'll be right back so when you approach the scriptures do you just read them do you meditate on them do you bring your holy imagination to bear upon the scripture? Do you do you receive the gospel not only as the very word of God in terms of this theological reality, but as the very word of God that gives us life, that is our food every day? Do you encounter Jesus in the reality of the scriptures? So Michael Card, you know him. He is an award-winning musician um, and an author. He has um, actually written a series on the four Gospels, and the latest one to come out is on the Gospel of John, and it's called John, the Gospel of Wisdom. It also has a companion CD, John, the Misunderstood Messiah. Uh, Michael Card is going to be here in just a moment. He and I are going to talk about the Gospel of John. We're going to talk about how the Gospel of John is different, and we are going to invite you, we're going to invite you into this Easter reading initiative that starts today at MyFaithRadio.com. Today is the day we are reading, studying together, living into the reality of John chapter 1. So we'd love for you to sign up and join us. Go to MyFaithRadio.com, sign up for this Easter reading initiative in the book of John, and listen to this conversation with Michael Card up next. When it comes to your teen's behavior, how's a mom or dad supposed to discern what's normal and what's abnormal? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. That may seem like a loaded question, but let's take a minute to separate the two. It's normal for teens to fail to do their chores without 10 reminders, to put off homework, to get emotional, and to listen to music that's too loud. It's normal for them to question authority, even though it drives you crazy. But abnormal behavior needs to be addressed. It shows up as a sudden and profound personality swing, extreme disrespect for people and things, eating disorders, or self-harm. If your teen falls into the abnormal category, I'd encourage you to take action. And it all begins by seeking professional help. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org. of those um, voices that you hear singing in your head when you are singing to the Lord, I will tell you that um, El Shaddai is still the song Michael Card sings to me and with me when I sing it. Yes, I know that it is from, I don't know, 1983. That's sort of when I uh, knowingly fell in love with this particular song and uh, and the words of it and how it helped me as a very young person enter in to the presence of the living God. It gave me language I didn't have before. 
Uh, it certainly gave me a memorable um, tune by which to sing to the living God. And so I'm wondering, uh, is there something that Michael Card has sung over the course of the last several decades that is your heart song? Um, that when you sing that particular song, you are uh, better able to enter into the presence of the living God. I know that's his heart for why he sings and why he writes music that we can sing together. And so joining me now, uh, oh, well, we've just, we had him and then we lost him, but we will get him again. So uh, Ted is very, uh, Ted's on the board this week, by the way. Um, Paul Perot is, he was going to be on a vacation, but instead he's on a staycation. So we hope that uh, Paul's having a wonderful a wonderful week, and Ted is filling in. So thank you very much, Ted, for reconnecting with Michael Card. My pleasure. We're trying to get him. So Michael Card has uh, just completed this four-part biblical imagination series, and it's four parts because there are four Gospels. And so he has focused his attention uh, in recent years on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And today he is here with us to talk about John, the Gospel of Wisdom. Michael Card, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. How are you doing? <laughs> Good morning. I am well. I was uh, I was dancing there for a minute, so I was sharing with people um, that my Michael Card heart song is El Shaddai. Oh gosh, that's an old. I, uh, you're giving your age I, away there. I know, but it. I I could. I won't because people would not appreciate it. But like, I could. That uh-huh. is the one that like sings in my soul. Like I could sing it right now, which would not be appropriate. So, um, uh-huh. I want to just thank you for the ways in which you have. You have enriched our worship life um, as individuals and as the body of believers because you have provided a soundtrack for us for such a long period of time. So let me just say thanks yeah. for that. Well, thank you. Well, the, the new thing I've realized just in the last couple of years is if, if, if anything I've done has really helped you, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> That's a very it's a very freeing thing to realize. But thank you for I'm uh, thank you for the, the encouragement. I, I received that. I'm not pushing it away. No, well, thank you. So let's talk no. about this um, particular project, John, the Gospel of Wisdom. Uh-huh. And um, so I'm I'm remembering that on a prior occasion you wrote about um, the Gospel of John as the parable of joy. So we've now moved, right. I think, from joy to wisdom. So talk about your observations well, there. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think earlier, you know, you, you anytime you write a book uh, or even a song, um, you know, a, a month or two later, you'll learn something new that you wish you'd put in there. And I think that's what happened with, with, uh, with John. Like most people, I'd always loved the Gospel of John and wrote something about it. I don't know when that book came, the first book came out. But I just kept learning new things and putting the pieces of the puzzle together in, in new ways, and and it's still happening. I'm I'm working on a book on the life of Jesus right now, and there's so much um, I'm learning that I I wish I'd known before. But that's that's what it's like studying the Bible. You love the Word, um, the One who is in flesh, Jesus the Christ, mm-hmm. and therefore you love the Word on the written page, and you continue mm-hmm. to study it. Um, I want I want to invite you to invite listeners into that experience. What is it about studying the scriptures that continues to just draw you back in? Well, there, there's there's nothing uh, like there. Obviously, there's no book like the Bible. 
um, it's it's alive, and it. Um, someone said this is a good thing. Someone said the, the Bible is the only book that reads you. You when when you when you read the Bible, there's this two way interaction that happens through the Holy Spirit. Um, that's not like anything else, and most especially when you're uh, in the Gospels or just any place in, in the in the Bible that talks about Jesus, uh, he's constantly revealing himself. And it was something I, I realized just last night. I mean, we really know Jesus better. We can potentially know him better than the disciples did because we have his presence in us that illuminates the Word. So there, there's nothing... There's no experience like reading the Bible, nothing remotely like it. So I'm talking with Michael Card. We are talking about uh, his latest project, John, the Gospel of Wisdom. It is a part of the four-volume commentary set, the Biblical Imagination uh, series. And so John is literally different, right? I mean, he's literally not a synoptic writer. And so the Gospel of John right. is literally different. I'm wondering right. um, when you when you jumped into this, what did you discover is just like so different about John? Well, I, I think what's different about John is, and this sounds so simple when you hear it, but, you know, as far as we know, John's the last gospel that was written. It's written around 100. Mark, for example, is written 64, 65, right after Fire and Rome. So what makes one big thing that makes John so different, not just that it's late, but he's been preaching and teaching um, 30, 40 years these things about the life of Jesus. And, and when you, once you realize that and you read the Gospel of John, you, you, it's, it makes perfect sense. It's it's pretty sermonic. I mean, it comes together in sermons. Uh, he um, he has uh, elegantly organized his material in a way that Mark just didn't. I mean, Mark is still God's word; it's Holy Scripture. But Mark is writing down what Peter remembers about Jesus. Mark is really the Gospel of Peter, and um, and it's and it's got a certain amount of roughness to it, which I which I like. But then you read John, and Jesus is the light, and he's the word, and the stories have all been uh, gathered together by themes. And why do you think that is? It's because John's been teaching and preaching this stuff for 30 or 40 years. So you've been at this 30 or 40 years. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> right? And so well, yeah, um, but, this, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, right? That. The, well, the things that you sing and the things that you write may be. Um, differently developed in terms of their themes or their structure than they were 30 or 40 years ago. So I think that this that really makes sense to people who are of an yeah. age that we can look back and we can say, you know what, I did, um, you know, I did think about the things of the faith in a in a different way when I was younger. And now that I have more experiences, I have I have walked a longer road. Um, I have had the experience of the attentiveness of God along the way. I mean, all of those kinds mm -hmm. of things, right? I do yeah. see themes and put things together in ways that are different than I did 30 or 40 years ago. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I hope so. I, I hope that we have more confidence in him because, um, you know, he, he, um, he's been faithful to us. Uh, people love to talk about how they're faithful or not. I mean, what they don't talk about enough is how God's faithful to us. Um, yeah, I think if, if you've been uh, with him, if you've been walking with him uh, for some, you know, period of longer period of time and you know him better and you trust him more. And, um, yeah, 
it, it should it should resonate differently than someone who's just come to know him. But another side of that is, I don't know about you, I love being around new Christians because they mm-hmm. have they teach me things too. So, yeah. Well, and they're hungry and interested in ways that sometimes I have forgotten. And yeah, and it's, uh, it's and like a new love. It is. It is. Yeah. It's so exciting. All right. I'm going to continue this conversation with Michael Card about the Gospel of John and in particular, this particular project, John, the Gospel of Wisdom, which, by the way, we have copies to give away. If you would like to text the word book to 877-933-2484, you can also sign up to read the Gospel of John with us um, between now and Easter Monday, and you do that at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. song. Um, this, is, this is one of my heart songs. Uh, this is El Shaddai by Michael Card. Uh, I think 1983-ish. Um, he's still singing. He is still helping us enter into uh, worship of the living God. He's also helping us enter into the study of the Word, and not just the study of the Word, but to enter into the Word of God in a way that maybe we haven't before. And so we're going to talk about entering into the Word of God at the level of the imagination Michael Card, again, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we are giving away copies of John, the Gospel of Wisdom. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 and join us in reading through the Gospel of John in what is left of the season of Lent. We're going to read through Easter Monday, and you can sign up to join us in that at MyFaithRadio.com. Talk about entering into or engaging the Scripture at the level of the imagination. Uh, sure. I, I think uh, step one is uh, we are fallen. We are fragmented, right? That's Robbie. I just heard the commercial here talking about self-evident truths. One of the most self-evident truths is that this world is not the way it's supposed to be, and we and that we are messed up. Okay, and you see that in every uh, dimension of of humanity. You even see it in the way people read the Bible. People read the Bible in a very fragmented way. Some people read the Bible with their heads. And they like theology. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. God gave you a mind, and, and uh, that's a good thing. There's some people who just read the Bible with their hearts. Uh, my best friend is one of these people, and he cries when he reads the Bible, and he gets chill bumps when he reads the Bible, because that's, it. that's how he, in his fragmented way, that's how he reads the Bible. But I think um, the Lord wants us to bring all of ourselves, all of our hearts, like the the Shema, the great central creed of Judaism, says we love God with all our hearts and all of our minds. So we listen to Scripture with all of our hearts and all of our minds. And so the question is, how do we do that? What integrates, what bridges our heart and our mind? And I believe it's our imagination. And I believe that very uh, deeply because the Bible reaches out to our imaginations. It's not theology. It's not just devotion. It's this imaginative book that stirs you up so that you can listen to God with your heart and your mind. That's the shortest answer I can give you. <laughs> no, that's really good. And that's, um, I think that's what this series, you know, helps us engage in. And so yeah. just uh, appreciate that. You guys can check all the entire series out at michaelcard.com. Uh-oh, I better pop back. michaelcard.com. 
I don't want to give people the wrong, you know, the wrong. No, opinion. that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so Michael, as we as we enter into the last few weeks in the in the lead up to Easter, uh-huh. what what still excites you about the gospel? Like you have you've been at this a long time, and you study the Word of God, and you supply those to the rest of us to study as well. You sing to Him. You help us sing to Him as well. But what still thrills you or surprises you about the gospel itself? Oh boy, that's a big question. Uh, well, I, what does I, I like to say? The the Bible trembles in my hand. Mm. Um, by that I mean when I still uh, when I still read the Bible, and I got I got really excited about Scripture when I was fourteen years old. That's when the Lord really sort of hit me with it, and I went to Bible studies and I read a book. I read a book of the Bible a day for years. I was just this complete Bible nerd. And, and I think it, 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 you, you were talking earlier about, we got to enter into God's word. We got to enter into God's word. That's absolutely true. But at the same time, God's word enters into us. It is this exchange. Uh, it's this two way thing where you listen you listen to God's word and it's it really speaks to you and the the greatest piece the greatest evidence of that is you you know you'll have some verse that maybe you it's it's you crossed it and it's on your wall or it's been your favorite verse your whole life and and then all of a sudden you'll realize there's a whole other level of meaning to that verse that you never saw before that's that's what um that's what excites me. Uh, every little detail resonates that way. Uh, for example, I'm writing this book now on, on the details of the life of Jesus and asking, why did this happen? And why did Jesus do that? And what was going on behind this? And 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 I looked at the fact that Judas kissed Jesus. Okay, Judas kisses Jesus in the garden, right? And I realized, I never thought of this before, and I feel like the Lord showed me this. Judas kisses Jesus, not just to betray him. He's pointing. He has to be pointed out because Jesus looks just like the the rest of the twelve. He's not taller or blue eyed or auburn haired or he doesn't have a halo around his head. He's kind of scruffy looking like the rest of them, and so he has to be pointed out. Well, I've never seen that before, and that I don't know about you, but those kind of little details uh, they make it come come alive for me. And I, I, again, after all these years, I'm still realizing things things like. Jesus spends three months out of every year walking back and forth to Jerusalem. Now, you already knew that because you knew that he went there three times a year. But when you realize it takes about 10 days to walk, 10 days to be there, and 10 days to be back, he spends three months out of every year. I mean, what? who does that? <laughs> so those are the kind of things that excite me. Uh, uh, and I'm seeing new things every day. I'm seeing new things every day as well. Um, um, I hope that as you're looking at the details of Jesus, so we, we've been reading the, the, the book of Acts with our kids. Uh And, um, so Matthew made this observation that when Stephen, you know, is just right, you know, he's, he sees Jesus, right? He's looking up to heaven. He's about to literally breathe his last. And Jesus is not seated at the right hand of the father, which he has memorized, right? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. Stephen sees Jesus standing, so like right. for some reason Jesus actually stood up when this was yeah. happening. Like that's significant. Why? That's a detail. Why? What's going on that's, there? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Why? Why? Because he's welcoming Stephen I love into that. his presence. He's. St- I mean, imagine that. 
he stands up from from the throne to to welcome this you know this person who's given his giving his life. I mean that's ama- that's amazing. And it's and again totally we're talking about John, we're talking about John. I mean one of the details and again you know the you know all these details but one of the things that completely fascinates me about John is that every single time Jesus says something he's misunderstood. Now you know and and not just misunderstood in small ways misunderstood in big ways and uh after a while you go what, what does that mean what why did john remember that what is what's so important about that and that's where this the title comes from jesus is the wisdom of god and he's perpetually misunderstood by people you know you must be born again he tells nicodemus nicodemus says what can a man enter his mother's womb a second time to be born? You know, he he has no clue what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says, I've got to the woman at the well, I give you water. I got water. You'll never be thirsty again. She says, what? Is it because you don't, you don't have a bucket that you're, you know, and you read that in John, and it's just a little detail. And if you're not listening, you'll read right past it. But every single time he says something significant, people misunderstand it. All right, so one one quick question before we let you go, and thank you again so much. Okay. Um, you guys can check it all out at michaelcarr.com. Um, one listener has asked, okay, there's so many Johns. Which John wrote the Gospel of John? Oh, that's a great question. And and you know what? That still trips me up. I always have to stop and kind of sort it out, okay? So we got, we got John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. See, his name's John, too. But John, who wrote the Gospel of John, is the son of Zebedee. Uh, and, and he is, get this, he is Jesus' cousin. How cool is that? Because uh, his mother is Salome, and Salome is Mary's sister. So they're related. How cool is that? He, they're so they're cool. uh, first cousins. They're first cousins, yeah. Right? Don't you just love that? We'd have to go through the list of Marys as well, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, we certainly know. <laughs> Everyone's named Mary. Everyone's named Simon. You know, and uh, there there are a lot of there tend to be a lot of Johns, and I hope I got that right. I may have gotten that. That may no. be completely opposite, but I think that's correct. I think that's correct. But I have thank to stop you. and think every time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. What a delight, Michael Card, among other things, author of John, the Gospel of Wisdom. If you'd like a copy of the book, text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. You can also join us in the study we are doing of the Gospel of John through Easter Monday. You can sign up at MyFaithRadio.com. You can also visit Michael online at MichaelCard.com. Michael, thank you so much. Thanks, Carmen. It's been a real encouragement talking to you. Thank you so much. Likewise. What a delight. What a delight. we got a whole other hour coming up next. So I want to respond to a listener. Her name is Barb. She writes, um, and by the way, let me just remind you that um, you can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. Barb texted in. She says, um, hi, Carmen. I have to admit, I'm not handling all of this very well. I believe she's talking directly here about, you know, restrictions related to the coronavirus. She says, I'm angry 
as heck. Uh, so much of my life is being impacted. Friends and family and church and charity events. Um, she then says that she's, you know, she's blessed because she works in tech and so she can already work from home. But I hate this so much and my anger is very surprising to me and now I hear about more restrictions. Um, so Barb, let me just speak directly to you today. Um, first of all, I think acknowledging that we're not handling something very well is the kind of attention we need to be giving to our to our soul in these days. We need to be acknowledging um, that this is a very real disruption in our lives, um, that it is not normal, and that um, really nothing is going to return to the way it was before. Like, And so part of dealing with anger, part of responding to our own anger, is sort of sitting with it long enough to see what is underneath it. So underneath the anger might be grief, right? It might be grief. These are very real losses, and many of these losses um, are, will not be recovered, and so there's real people are experiencing real loss. It's not just a loss of freedom. Um, there are a loss of experiences. There, um, you know, there's the loss of opportunity. There's the loss of financial flexibility. There's the loss of, I mean, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of losses that can never be regained, can never be recovered. Um, and so maybe what is under your anger is grief. That's a different um, issue to deal with before the Lord than just straight up anger, right? Maybe what's beneath your anger is fear, right? And so that's a different emotion to deal with before the Lord than just straight up anger. I mean, maybe you're just straight up angry as well. So um, let me just encourage you to acknowledge that peace is like a river, right? Peace is like a river. Um, let me encourage you to take every thought captive to Christ, like allow Jesus Christ to literally take every one of your thoughts captive. And then let me encourage you, you've described here that you, uh, you know, you work in tech. That means you actually know some things that would be of great benefit and blessing to others. There's lots of people who don't know how to use technology in the midst of all of this um, to their blessing and benefit. And so use what you know to serve others. I feel confident that Brother Andrew is probably baking today. It's not only his passion, it's his ministry. So why don't you use tech today to bless someone else? I find that in service and being able to serve others, we um, we discovered that um, things are not maybe as bad as we thought they were because we can do something. So do something. Um, don't just do anything. Uh, and spend some time in God's Word and prayer. And we will certainly be praying with and for you, uh, Barb, today. All right. You got a whole nother hour. We got a whole nother hour together of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.